Blog Talk Radio. Curator of Sustainable News at Southeast Green. And today I'm very excited because, I know I'm always excited, but I'm really excited today because today we've got a local story for me at least. I know we have listeners all over the country and all over the world, in fact. But we're going to talk to someone who's doing some really, really cool stuff in Georgia. And so we want to welcome Kim Falkenhine, um, who is the president of Okabashi Footwear. And if anybody does not know about Okabashi, you're going to be really excited about this story because they are doing some really good stuff. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the show here. Well, we are we are really, I mean, we've known you about y'all forever, but we've never really interviewed y'all, so um, it seemed like this was the right time. Tell us a little bit about how um, you got into fashion footwear in Georgia. <laughs> Well, I didn't start out there, so I actually went to school originally. I went to school out in Arizona for supply chain management because I love learning about uh, everything from the whole supply chain of where you source your materials from manufacturing to the transport and logistics of getting them in the door and then finally making a product. I've just always loved manufacturing, so I went... I worked at uh, Intel briefly and then came to Atlanta here and started working at Okabashi originally as the sourcing manager. So I was in charge of finding suppliers and figuring out where we were going to get all the different materials that come together to actually make our shoes. Cool. So Okabashi is, um, y'all actually have sort of two product lines, right? You have Okabashi and Okabi. But Okabashi sounds very Japanese to me. Tell us a little bit about Okabashi and its history. So it actually, it is uh, based on some Japanese words. A loose translation would be to bridge the hills. So our foundation, Okabashi's foundation, dates back to 1984 when we started that product line, and it was started on the principles of reflexology, so very uh ergonomic fit footbed, very curved, very soul-hugging, we like to say. So that's where the uh, to bridge the hills kind of terminology comes in there. So that's, that's been more of our, I would say, our bread and butter um, line for, for the company has been Okabashi with a little bit more of an orthopedic feel to it, but for a very uh, reasonable, very value price point. And then uh, about 10 years ago, we decided to get into a little bit more fashion line, and that's where Oka B came in. We started out in the spas, actually, and because our shoes are, they're very, very durable. They can be, the spas autoclave them to clean them, so they're, they last a long time. They're very heat tolerant. You can throw them in a uh, washing machine or anything else. And from there, we started designing uh, new styles that still had that signature footbed, but looked a little bit more fashion forward. And that's where the Okabee has, brand has grown. And today we have everything from jelly ballet flats and flip flops to 
wedges and other more fashionable looking sandals. Well, I actually am the proud owner of several pairs and the reason I have several pairs is because they, they literally never wear out. So um, I've had a pair, as I was told you and was telling you before we got on, um, on live, that it, um, that I've had for over 10 years. And I just, I love them. I love the style of them. I love the way they wear. They're just really, really awesome. So let's talk a little bit about, y'all do something very special. And I always think you're the best kept secret in Georgia because I would say, well, you know, blah, 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 and they don't. So tell us about your sustainability uh, commitment because what you do that there is really um, important. Absolutely. So we're we're very proud that we have a very clean, very safe factory here. Of course, um, we being made here in the U.S. means that there's uh, minimum requirements that are more stringent than most of the rest of the world, and we are very proud that we're far beyond those uh, minimums. So. We have a great process. We start with a material that is sourced from, of course, another company that makes it here in the United States. They actually make it with a bio base. So that's very unusual in the industry. There's not a lot of that out there. Um, the, our supplier came to us a couple of years ago and said that they really wanted to get a major customer on a bio-based material and asked if we we were interested in working with them. And we said, absolutely, this is fantastic. So it is derived from renewable feedstocks, primarily soy. And we did a lot of testing, found it to be just as durable as the materials we were already using. So even better than what we already had. It's still 100% recyclable as we have always been which is a great uh, sustainability feature of our shoes, just because your traditional foam flip-flops are not recyclable. When we do the manufacturing processes, any scrap or runners or anything else that are generated during the molding process go back in through a grinding machine, and we segregate by colors. We do brown, blue, and then kind of everything else can go back into a black shoe, and make sure that we reuse all that. It's over 99%. There's a very, very tiny percentage that might become contaminated if it touches the floor or anything that we do have to work with an outside recycling company. But everything else gets recycled back into shoes. And then the last step of that is that our shoes are so durable and last so long, you don't have to throw them away at the end of the season. In fact, we have a lot of customers, not just yourself, there's a lot of other people who tell us the same thing. I've had your shoes for five years, ten years, We've had people say they've had them for 15 years and they're still going strong. So that's a really great value proposition, and it means that you're saving a lot of cheap foam flip-flops from being in a landfill somewhere. Well, and that is true because the the one of the things that I love about y'all is the way you have so carefully crafted different stuff. Like I wear, um, during the summer, I wear them every day from business, right? I wear them to work. Um but you also have some that aren't as stylish that are perfect for the beach. And so why wouldn't you, you know, uh, get a pair of something that's durable, that's great for the environment, and, um, you know, I think they're very stylish. I always get compliments on them. So, um, you know, I I just think it's a win, 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 win. So why did the company um, decide to keep, here in Georgia, because a lot of a lot of 
times people don't think about the sustainability of actually staying local. I mean, you could have moved overseas and added a tremendous amount <laughs> to your mm-hmm. carbon footprint. So why did you all decide to stay in Georgia? You know, the things that really make Okabashi Okabashi are here in the United States. Our design teams here, our manufacturing's here. We have a lot of people that, you know, especially in those areas, that you just don't find those skill sets here in the United States. So we've really brought in a lot of people. We're so proud of how many people came in and at really the ground level with the company and have worked their way up and been here for a decade or more. Um, tremendously skilled individuals. We have wonderful sales and support teams, again, all in the same building right here. And also just the fact that being here, we don't just have control over the quality you know, on a day-by-day basis. It's minute-by-minute. I can step outside the door that is 20 feet from my office here and see the manufacturing happening, address any issues that are going on immediately. And then it is, it's much greener to not have to import containers of shoes. Of course, we, we, we talk to our customers about how that really lowers your carbon footprint. And being right outside Atlanta, it, the city was founded as a transport hub, and to this day, it's a great location to be for us to reach our major chain customers shipping into their distribution centers, and then even our customers who are ordering one or two pairs on our websites. Right. Well, and I think that people forget that there's a footprint, right, <laughs> shipping. Mm-hmm. And, oh, um, yeah. Right? And I, I was, we have a, I mean, and, you know, we have so much great, sustainable manufacturing here in the metro Atlanta area and in the state. And I was at an event, and the um, local paper had asked the owner, well, why wouldn't we buy your product from China? And I, they told me the story, and I said, I will never ask you that question because there's a footprint. <laughs> wow. So, um, but, you know, that's the thing is people just don't think about that. So I always tell people that, you know, shopping local is so, so important, and, um we're just so honored that we can do that here in Georgia. Now, tell so you started with Okabashi and then you switched to Okabees. So tell us the difference and tell us about why you decided to make that investment into Okabees. Well, we decided we really looked at our Okabashi product line and they are fantastic. I wear my Okabashi flip-flops all the time. I absolutely love them. But they were a different demographic, different customer base than something that's a little bit more fashion forward and into the spa industry and everything. And we just saw where there were so many different avenues that we could be getting into, but they just didn't resonate with the core of the Okabashi product line. So we said, this this really has to be a second brand to go more into these distribution channels where um, Okabashi, our biggest customers are Walgreens and CVS. We were very excited that Target uh, started a test run with us this summer. Hopefully that continues to next year. Um, getting on the, they wanted a, recy- a recyclable flip-flop in their in their stores, and they had not, none out there right now. So, But Okabee is more in the independent gift and boutique um, range. It's uh, resorts, it's spas, so it's really a very like kind of different look, feel, and customer base, and we just didn't feel like you can't make one brand be too many different things to everyone. So it made sense to split them into two, even though we do use the same 
base material for both of them, that same um, material that's based on bio material. Well, and Les, I want to be very clear for all our, our female listeners. Y'all got to get a pair of these, okay, because they just are so awesome. And then you get to tell a story of sustainability when someone says, oh, those are so cute, where did you get them? And then you can say, and guess what? This is, you know, very, very sustainable. And I, I, I just think that, you know, the more opportunities we have to show that, you know, being sustainably minded and thinking about how we're purchasing our products and who we're going to support with our hard-earned dollars is so important, right? I, I never, I always tell people, you don't have to preach sustainability. You just have to be an example for sustainability. And what better way to do it than with a cute pair of sandals? Absolutely, and they're at a very value price point. Okabashis are between 15 and $25. Okabees are 25 Our sandals go up to mid-40s, and then we've got some uh, flats and wedges that are up into the 50s. But still, they're very reasonable price points. And really, anything that, if it's manufactured in the U- here in the U.S., you know that it, we are, and just any other manufacturer here in the U.S. too, we're adhering to safety and environmental standards that you just don't find in a lot of factories that would be overseas. They're just, they don't have to adhere to the same standards. It doesn't mean that they don't, but there's a guarantee that if you buy it here, that we are. And that's important to think about when if you want something and you're looking at different products and there's no certifications and you just don't know what which is which, Made in the USA is a minimum bar, basically. Well, and, and that leads to something that very was very, very exciting for y'all. So y'all went to D.C. Tell us about that. We did, yes. We were invited to come to D.C. for an event at the White House. It was an event to bring American manufacturers in and talk about a certification process for Made in the USA, similar to how there's a certification process for certified organic, for example. There really Mm -hmm. isn't one for made in the USA, which seems very surprising. But uh, just for example, what percentage of uh, foreign content can there be in an assembled product? Because if you go far enough down the supply chain, there will be some raw material of a raw material that either can't be made or found here in the U.S. So there has to be, there has to be a standard for that, and that just really doesn't exist. So in the absence of that existing right now, a lot of major retail chains have set their own standards, but it just means that they're all different, and it can get pretty confusing. And there are also labels out there that might say something like assembled in the USA or made with XYZ from the US, and it can be very misleading versus something that is actually 100% manufactured here in the US. But because there's no federal standard for this, you, you can't go after anybody for using misleading or, or even dishonest labeling like that. So we were invited there to give our opinions on what a certification process should look like, what the value would be for the manufacturers in the U.S. and the consumers in the U.S. who just want honest information. Well, and I think it's so important um, to compare this story to, you know, this is why the organic USDA seal came along. 
because so many people were claiming things and there was nothing to protect the organic farmers that were doing it. Unfortunately, it's gone a little backwards in regards to the uh, not not in the, the growing of organics, but the, the burden on the manufacturer who does I mean, the farmer who does the organics, you know, it, it is a burden now. And it seems sort of unfair that the people who are doing the right thing um, have the burden versus the people who, ha- who are doing the wrong thing. So, um, but it's sort of exciting to know that there will be hopefully a standard. Do you feel confident there's going to be a standard produced? I think there will be. There was definitely a lot of concern from the uh, manufacturers sitting at the roundtable there in D.C. about what that cost burden would look like, especially for companies that have a very wide range of products. Would they need to go through this, you know, would it be a very heavy-handed certification and be on every single one of their products, or could it be more broad on their manufacturing process as a whole? Because we all, of course, want to be protected from dishonest or misleading labeling, but at the same time, um, want it to be something that that we can afford to do that we could and you, it's not going to disincentivize people who are making manufacturing in the US and just say I I may be making my product here but I just can't afford the certification process and I know that that does come into play with um organic farms and growers especially the smaller you are that regulatory burden of proving that you are can be so much that you might be going through all the processes to be organic you might not be able to afford that seal of approval. So it, it is disproportionately expensive the smaller you are. And Okabashi, Okabe, we're still a relatively small company. Um, we have a seasonal workforce, but our number of employees goes between about 100 and 200 people, depending on the time of year. So we're not a, you know, 100,000 employee company here. So it is it could be very expensive. And it's just... I do hope it, that something comes out, at least guidelines to adhere by, that is not prohibitively expensive to be able to reach, because I would love to have that seal of approval proving on our product that we are made here. Well, and, and I think it's really, you know, I, I was um, with a bunch of folks this weekend, and, we're, and I was talking about regulations, and I say, you know, we give, we always talk about the overburden of regulations, but we give our politicians too much credit because we act like the regulations are cre- created in front of the problem when in reality the regulations are created behind the problem, right? And there's a problem mm-hmm. with people not being honest and genuine and transparent about their manufacturing, which is why this whole conversation is happening. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. The the, the challenge becomes is is, is the good intention of creating a regulation for someone not to cheat, essentially, because that's what most regulations are about, mm-hmm. um, is when it becomes a burden, right? <laughs> it's like there's a fine yeah. line between stop the cheating and, oh, my gosh, you've now prevented us from doing business. There are, and there's, you know, we just have to remember that our, our politicians are just as human as we are, and they, they're they're trying to, you know, ask us what our opinions are because, they're not working in the industry. And, I mean, I definitely appreciate that they're soliciting the input of manufacturers here in the U.S. before they go and just put something into place. And I do hope that they start by just just setting what those standards are, even if they're not officially enforced, just saying this is the federal standard, this is, you know, you must have X percent of content be 
derived from U.S. sources in order to claim that you're made in the USA. Just have that federal standard set first before you go into something that's too heavy-handed that might really have unintended consequences that harm a lot of the smaller guys out there because there's a lot of small businesses. We're not the only one, and I know that it, it could impact a lot of other little guys. So maybe if we do it in stages and, and see what the impact is before you go full board and, and have something that's really over the top and maybe very, very expensive. Because it's it's hard to predict in advance how expensive regulation is going to be once it's implemented. Well, that's a good point, right? It's not like they can just, you know, punch a couple of items into a spreadsheet and voila, you've got some type of, um, you know, formula. And then then beyond that, there's the whole, they have to create an entire new department of employees mm-hmm. to verify and process it. So it, 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 you know what I think? I think it's a really good problem for a uh, business school to, to solve. <laughs> then, you know, chew on it a bit and see what they come up with. So, um, well, it's very exciting. And how many manufacturers were there with you? We had about 20 companies there that day. We were just at a, a round table, just throwing ideas back and forth and kind of talking about our our own experiences and um, what we've seen out there in the market, if there's any competitors. Some people brought examples of competitors who were using false or misleading um, labels or information on their websites and so forth. And others talked about uh, kind of grassroots ways that they go about trying to show that they are made in the USA. And it could be something as simple as, you know, we have our factory doors open to anybody if a major retail buyer calls us up and says, hey, I'm considering buying, but I'd really like to see your factory first, we say, doors open. You can come in, you can see all the processes, all the people, everything that's going on. We've got nothing to hide. Now, I was about to get really excited because I thought you were going to tell us you have tours. (laughs) (laughs) We have done some tours. Um, In fact, we, we do homeschool tours are one of our most popular tour groups that we get through here. But we do arrange tours um, from time to time. We're actually working on putting one together in uh, September. We're trying to settle on a date here to bring through some media and some local folks to to come through here and uh, check out the plant, come see what it's all about, and see it first person. Well, I would love to come. I love touring factories and being able to talk about the process to people. Um, It's so exciting. I got to... um, tour uh, solar, I've toured a um, materials recycling plant, um, and I just, it, it's, it really is fascinating how we create the stuff we use, and um, so I will look forward to being included in that, and hopefully my schedule will permit it, um, <clears throat> because manufacturing, people just don't understand, right, just how really cool it is, and the fact that, you know, people have solved all these different problems, like one of the things, so I'm a big fan of Shark Tank, and mm-hmm. um, one of the things people, you know, the, the shoe people always do is Damon will always say, well, how many how many different sizes did you have to create, right? You have to create patterns for every different size. Um, yep. And I think you all are really smart because basically you have three different base styles, and then what you do is you ice them really pretty, right? 
<laughs> so you're not having to recreate a shoe pattern for, you know, a lot of different styles. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I will, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, have to make sure that I get on that list because I would just love to see it. And of course, I'll take 52 million pictures. Um, <laughs> but we are almost out of time, so really quickly, let's talk about how people can get them, and um, and where we can get them. And you know, like I know when Target runs a runs a test, it's normally in you know a couple of its marketplaces. It's not everywhere. So tell us about how we get Okabees or Okabashis on our feet. All right, so our, for Okabashi's biggest customers are Walgreens and CVS. We are coming up to the end of the summer, though, so Pickens might be getting a little bit slim this time of year. You can always go to okabashi.com, and some of our retail tailors also sell us on Amazon. You can find some of our shoes, not all of them, on there. Um, Target.com, if not Target in-store, has our newest Okabashi flip-flop style called the Shoreline available on their website, so you can check that out. And then Okabees are in a lot of individual little retailers. We do have a product or a location finder on okabee.com where you can look up and see um, a brick-and-mortar store that will carry the shoes. And if not, we also have all of these shoes online, and we are just starting to launch our new fall styles. So every week you're going to be seeing brand new Okabee styles popping up on our website for the next uh, six to eight weeks here. So check us out and uh, sign up for our Facebook or our email list and you'll be seeing lots of new styles coming out. That's awesome. I should also let our listeners know, not only do I wear Okabees, but I bought several pairs for my niece for her you know, for birthdays and things like that. And they live in Florida, so she, so she can wear them year-round. So the fact that, you know, you know, a very, very trendy niece and a very, you know, uncool aunt can wear them and, <laughs> and everybody be happy is, is a good thing. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your time. We have really enjoyed it. I'm sorry we haven't had you on earlier because you really are a great made-in-the-USA, made-in-the-Georgia uh, made story, and we just appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be working with you. Super. And I will look forward to uh, coming out for that tour because, boy, we'll, we will just geek out on pictures and video and everything like that. Absolutely. You're on the invite list already, and we'll get you a pair on your way out. Super. Thank you so much, Kim. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. I really cannot say enough nice things about this. And and like I said, the thing that I love about this is, and, and I believe the best way to change hearts and minds in regards to sustainability is to just lead by example. And so, you know, supporting local business, supporting Made in the USA, supporting uh, strong sustainability factors, supporting shoes that are made out of recycled materials, what better story um, that you can wear on your feet and I get asked about them all the time. Oh, those are so cute. And then I get to say, you're never going to believe, you know, they're made in Georgia. They're made out of recycled materials. And um, it's just it's really a really fun way to tell the story of sustainability. So we really appreciate uh, Kim's time um, today because, you know, she's the president of the company. And we know that she's got a, a, a lot on her plate. So um, we are checking out with DJ Lang and Water Drop, and thanks so much for listening to Speaking of Green, and we'll see you on the next episode.